and then we're going to dive into the teaching. Mark chapter 8. Let's read together verse 25 out loud. Let's join together. I think everybody's there. Uh, still hear some pages. We'll wait a little bit. Verse 25. Good. Let's read it together out loud. Then he put his eyes, his hand on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and so everyone clearly God we pray this morning uh, give us not only understanding in our head in our mind in our brain Lord would you please give us the inspiration that's needed God the impartation of truth to our soul, to our heart, that we would be not only hearers of the word, we would be doers of the word. God, we pray for Pastor Zach and all the pastors that are joining together there in Sandy Cove this week uh, to seek your face, Lord, to have a time in your word, to have a time of renewal, refreshment, to have a time, Lord, that you would give them vision. We pray that our pastor would return. And just like we've studied about Moses, Lord, we would see your grace shining from his face, Lord. God, we pray for any pastor that's gone to that conference that's lonely, down, maybe thinking about quitting. Lord, meet them there. May we pray for them. Thank you for everyone that's here today, this morning, Lord. Thank you for the 9 o'clock service, how you spoke to us. God, we pray, again, speak to us. Uh, we pray especially for anyone here right now that's hurting, Lord. Anyone here that's broken, confused. Lord, meet us here now, we pray. In Jesus' name, those that agreed said, amen. amen. Before you're seated, if you give someone a smile, if, you know, if you're still kind of COVID conscious, you could give them like a long distance uh, hand, fist bump, you know, high five, greet someone. So it would be proper to, uh, to introduce myself, for those of you that don't know me. In 1989, I had the privilege of starting a Bible study in the home. God blessed it. It's grown. And so eventually this is uh, the result of that. About 10 years ago, I, I was praying about a, not an exit strategy, but one thing I knew that in the scripture, it tells us that the Levites are supposed to serve until they're 50 years old. And then they're supposed to train up the younger Levites and raise them up to do the work. And then the older Levites are supposed to assist, help, encourage, strengthen the younger Levites. So back then, um, I had many 
less years. I had a lot more gasoline in the tank. And although it's not something that I wanted to do because I love what I do, it was something that I thought was the biblical thing to do. We at Calvary Chapel have learned uh, through our legacy that we're supposed to work ourselves out of a job. And uh, I usually saw that in some people, but in a lot of pastors, what I've seen is almost like a holding on to this pulpit that they don't want to let go. And I have other failures, but that's not one of them. I, I wanted to um, be obedient to the Lord. I always wanted to retire before I had to, you know, like an athlete, like a boxer. Uh, anyone that's there when they should have retired is a bad thing because everybody knows it. Everybody wants you to retire. They're sorry you're getting punched. Uh, but sometimes people just don't want to give up. And so putting all of those things together, plus the fact that a good pastor friend of mine um, Ed Gaines went to meet the Lord earlier, and I saw what happened. Um, uh, the pastor that I respect so much, I saw Pastor Chuck, and I thought, uh, I've learned so much from him. And one of the things I learned is I didn't want to do transition the way he did it. So 10 years ago, we put things in motion. In, 19, in 2020, uh, it, it was evident that God was raising up Pastor Zach. It was something that we did very slow. We spoke to pastors first. We spoke to uh, the board of directors, we spoke to the elders, the deacons, and the only ones that we haven't officially really spoken to is the church at large, but we're kind of doing that this morning, and we're still going to do something special. However, um, in 2020, I told Pastor Sack, you know what, you got the steering wheel, you're driving now, and we'll, we'll, we'll see what God does. Little did I know that in March, there was going to be this uh, funky uh, CCP kind of virus coming out of a uh, laboratory. I got to be careful, you know, as you know, our pastor, he's very biblical, so I got tempted to go places, but I won't go there. See, I'm respecting. It's, uh, it's really his pulpit, and uh, I'm a guest. I, I have the privilege of doing this this morning. I hope I get to do it again, but a lot of things started happening in 2020 March, uh, and I really prayed and allowed him to pray to seek the Lord to make the decisions, and uh, he prayed, and we prayed and decided we wouldn't meet because God was telling us not to meet. And as soon as God told us to begin to meet, we started meeting before any president, before any political leader, because when it has to do with our relationship with God and when it has to do with the church, we should be led by God, the Holy Spirit, and His Word. And watching at a distance, I was so blessed, so inspired, we began to meet. We decided to believe that God was big enough to tell people that didn't want to wear a mask, uh, that God could do that, and we could honor that, and that God could tell people to wear a mask, and we could honor that, and, and we could see people do that. Uh, and it was amazing to see how, as a church, as a family, that God has been blessing in every matrix that you can measure as far as people, new people, uh, the finances, uh, the spiritual work. God has met us there. And uh, when I sit and I listen to the teaching, I say, man, we have the blessing, we have the privilege of having a, an anointed teacher, a young pastor, someone that loves the Lord, loves the Word, um, and loves you, loves the church. And so uh, I, I pray that we take the privilege of praying for him, praying for his wife, praying for his family. We are a blessed people. 
and to some degree we are on holy ground. So he is the senior pastor. I now get to assist him. I'm kind of like the founding pastor. But that's another way of saying that I clean the toilets when they need to be cleaned. And I do whatever needs to be done. Because that's the way I started serving the Lord. And I pray that that's the way that I will transition to heaven. Um, being a pastor is not something of cloud. It's not something that you're over people or better than people. It's just something that you're privileged to lead God's people to know God and to have a relationship with Jesus. So I wanted to do that just so that you wouldn't uh, say, who's this strange guy that's here? And uh, if you miss Pastor Sack, don't worry. He'll be back hopefully next week. And if you're here for the first time and you're visiting, you need to come back. You want to hear him teach and the Lord use him. Having said that, I've been praying about, okay, Lord, what do you want me to speak on today? And so the Lord brought me to Mark chapter 8, and we see here in verse 25, very quickly, let's dive in and take note that in verse 25 it says, Then he, speaking about Jesus, put his hands on his eyes, speaking about the blind man. But here's a key word in this, and it's the word again. Jesus touched this blind man again. And if you needed a, tea, a title for this morning's teaching, we want to talk about another Jesus touch. That's the title. Another Jesus touch. My English favorite English teacher uh, was away out of town this weekend, so I couldn't run this title by her. So I don't know if it's grammatically or in English if it's correct. Uh, so those of you that are English majors, you bear with me. But I know that from the heart, it is correct. The inference right here, if you're going to take a nap, if you're not going to get anything, is that the disciples of Jesus and the people that Jesus loves, they need sight. They need sight. We need foresight. We need insight. And at times, even though Jesus can heal you from blindness, it's a partial healing. And we only get added sight when we get another touch from Jesus. And that's what this miracle, that's what this story brings to light. Let's pick up in verse 22. Let's read the whole story. And let's dive into God's word this morning. Then, speaking about Jesus, he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, and they begged him to touch him, to touch the blind man. So Jesus, verse 23, I love it, he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. Then Jesus put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored. And he saw everyone clearly. And then Jesus sent him away to his house. 
saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Well, some of the things that we want to look at this morning, we want to start with verse 25, how this man, at the second touch of Jesus, it tells us that he was restored. For those of you that are note-takers, you want to write down what the word restored in the original language translates to or it means. It's a word that means that he was reconstituted, reconstituted in health. It's a word that means not only do you just have health, but it's like you're restored again in home or organization. The implication here is that the second touch of Jesus upon this blind man brought him to a place that now his health was reconstituted. He was now at home. He was now organized. I stopped. Look to your eyes. I hope you're getting this, that he's able now to see, to evaluate, to capture, to interpret, to make decisions in alignment with Jesus the Savior. At this point, some of you might say, that's very religious, so what's the big thing about that? Well, it's a big thing when you look at the contrast. You see, the contrast to seeing things the way God sees them, to seeing things the way that God, when you're saved, when God forgives you of your sins, when you come into a restored relationship with the living God based on His Son, the Savior Jesus, is that now you and I, we could look at things, we could make evaluations, we could make decisions that throughout your life, my life, our lives, and throughout eternity, people will be saying, man, hallelujah, alabado sea el Señor, may God be worshipped. Why? Because it were good decisions. Your career, your profession, where you work, who you marry, the kids, how you raise them. Can you come closer this morning to thought and to mind and to the scriptures? Listen to this. Your priorities, what you give your life, what you give your health, what you, what you engage in. That it doesn't have to be a hit or a miss. It doesn't have to be something that you do it for a while and then you look back and you say, oh, you know, translation, you know what? Man, I, I messed up. Sometimes I see people make decisions and I, I shiver. I say, man, you, you realize what you're doing? And sometimes at the moment, it might seem like a good decision. It makes you feel good, you know. And sometimes you get the applause. Sometimes you get the recognition. But... Throughout life, what is it really going to look like? Please come back to the story here. Notice in verse 22 that Jesus comes to Bethsaida. That's the name of a town that's north of Galilee. Those of us that have been to Israel, you know that when you get to Galilee, you got Capernaum, and right there in that general vicinity, you got Bethsaida. You know what that name means? It means house of fish. House of fish. Say, well, what's so big about that? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus told his disciples, come follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. See, what happens here in this house of fish is kind of like a picture of what the people that follow Jesus 
are supposed to be about. There's people around me, there's people around you that, man, they're blinded. They're totally blinded. They think, hey, I could drink, I could smoke, I could crack, I could have relationships, I'm married. They think that, that they think different from what God says he's acceptable to him, what the word of God says. And right now, they, they seem to be gaining speed and gaining steam. And, 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 but here, this story shows us that Jesus comes into the house of fish. Go there to verse 22. Keep looking at the story. Such a beautiful story. And it tells us here that there's a blind man that they bring to Jesus. Who brings this blind man to Jesus? Well, it's a, what is it? One, two, three, four-letter word called they, T-H-E-Y, they. I stop a second, look to your eye, and it's a wonderful thing that when you're blind, when you're partially blind, how good it is to have they in your life. Notice it doesn't say the friends, it just says they. Do you have they in your life? But keep Go back to the scriptures. Look at this a little bit closer. And this is how I know that these guys, uh, these people that brought this blind man to Jesus, man, they're all right. Say, so how do you know that, Pastor? Well, keep reading. It says, they brought a blind man to him. But notice what they did. They begged Jesus to touch him. Can you stop a second? Can I look to your eyes? Can I pray this gets into this they... Bring a blind man to Jesus, but it's not the way that a lot of people do ministries nowadays, where they say, oh, let me help you. Okay, ahí te va, que te vaya bien, que te coja el tren. You know, it's kind of like, you know, okay, here you are with Jesus, man, may go, go, I did my job. And then they feel good about themselves. Oh, man, I ministered today. Really, what was the person's name? Well, I don't know. How they doing? Well, I don't know that either. But I ministered today. I, I, hey, pa- a lot of people do that. Hey, pastor, this person needs prayer. Yeah, but why do you think God brought him to you? People do that a lot. They come to the church. Hey, these people need money. Don't you have money? Yeah, but it's better if the church gives them money. Do you tie to the church? No, but, but, but I brought them to the church. Help them out. And you know, the church and people will do that, but you'll miss out. I'll miss out. I love the fact that they bring them to Jesus, and then they say, Jesus, you got to touch this guy. We vouch for him. This is a special guy. Jesus, please, please, Jesus, please. And they beg Jesus so much that Jesus says, I got you. But look, go back to the scriptures because the scriptures do a better job than, than any, anybody else could. Look at this. They begged him to touch him. I love verse 23. So he, Jesus, took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Stop again, look to your eyes, and there's so much there. You see, this morning it would be good for you, it would be good for me, it would be good for us to know that there's blindness sometimes in life that's only dealt with in a personal relationship with Jesus outside of town. Town represents what you're accustomed to. Town represents what we're used to. Town represents what we're comfortable with, our way of thinking, our friends. Well, we do it this way because this is the way we do it. But I love it that if you want to see, you have to be willing to allow Jesus to take you by the hand and say, listen, this is going to be about you and me. We're taking a walk. And it's an interesting thing. Jesus hasn't told him anything yet. It's, I'll walk with you, Jesus, if you heal me. 
I'll walk with you, Jesus, if you fix my marriage. Not any wife here, but sometimes wives say this. I'll walk with you, Jesus, if you do something with my husband. Heal him, save him, or take him with you, Lord, but do something with my husband. It's funny how sometimes you get desperate. But then you remain in your blindness, you see. Because Jesus is not a negotiator. Jesus is a Lord and a Savior. And Jesus took him by the hand, and he led him out of town. And now there's some distance between him and the place of failure, the place of stories. When I get to heaven and I speak to this blind man, I wonder how many people rejected him. I wonder how many things happened to him. But Jesus says, let me take you by the hand. And are you willing to walk with me? So many people is about their favorite pastor. They like the guy that smiles and has curly hairs. He's tall, beautiful wife, a lot of big church. Some people like people with big churches. Some people say, no, I like the black guy. You know, he walks up and down a lot. You know, I like the way he speaks. You know. But I wonder how many people today are saying, I love Jesus. Because when I was blind, he took me by the hand. And he took me out to have a personal interaction with him. So many people today, they follow men. They follow leaders. They follow doctrinal stances. But where is Jesus in all of this? No wonder they're still blind. This is a blind man. You got to see this. And this is a man that Jesus takes him by the hand and led him. The blind man ain't leading anymore. Jesus is leading. And he took him out of town. Why did he do that? Some scholars say that Jesus, there's a point in ministry where Jesus says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that have been done in you, that you've seen, if other people would have seen them, they would have converted. But your heart is hard. And the implication here is that Jesus is loving and Jesus is grace. Él es tan lindo. Jesus is beautiful. Jesus will not contend with man forever. Jesus will not contend with the United States forever. We're living some precious, important times. Could it be that Jesus says, I'm going to deal with you, but I can't deal with you in this town because what I'm going to do in you, this town is not worthy of looking at or seeing anymore. Now, Jesus did a lot of miracles there, but there came a point in time that Jesus says, I'm done. You're done. You're accountable for what you know. You're either going to respond for what you know or you're going to deal with the repercussions. If there's one thing I think we need today is to give a good representation of Jesus and to give a good representation of God. God is grace. God is loving. There's so much favor in God, but you need to know that God allowed his son to go on Calvary's cross and God poured out his wrath on his son because of sin. Because of sexual trafficking, because of drug and pimping. and pro- God deals with sinners that don't want to see. It's an interesting thing. The sinners were getting into a relationship with God before the Pharisees. Because a sinner knows when he's a sinner. God has the most difficult time with the religious Pharisees that are self-righteous. They're so filled in their head with their thoughts and ideas that they don't give God an opportunity to open their eyes so that they could see, hmm, I was wrong about that. Hmm, I was wrong about, hmm. Sometimes we come to Jesus when he touches us and say, Lord, now I really see. Thank you, Jesus. 
thank you. But some other people think that Jesus led him out of town because he wanted a personal relationship. It's an interesting thing. With this blind man. Have you noticed the world likes you when you're young? The world likes you when you're successful. The world loves you when you're making it, you know? But sometimes when you're handicapped, when you have flaws, when you're blind, the world doesn't want to give you time of day. But Jesus, that's when he wants a more personal relationship with you. It's an amazing thing to me. The Bible says that God is close to the brokenhearted. Tragedies, heartaches, destruction when you're there is when God says, can I lead you by the hand now outside of this town? Can you trust me? Can, can we go places together now that your whole world has fallen apart? Can we do it now? And I love to see that in that story. Well, fast forward with me. Go back to Mark chapter 8. It gets better. It tells us here that Jesus spat on his eyes. How's that for Big Pharma? <laughs> do you have another medicine there? Can, can we do something without this spitting thing? But once he takes you by the hand and there's a personal relationship with him, you know that whatever he does, he's got a plan. And it's to give you a hope. It's to give you a future. It's not to harm you. It may be unconventional. But it will accomplish what it needs to accomplish. And one of the things I see accomplished here is that the spit wasn't enough. A few weeks ago, I tested positive for COVID-19. I've been blessed with good health. Thank you, Lord. I don't deserve it, but I thank you for it. It's in the genes. My dad had good health, my mom. And through the whole COVID thing, I was exposed to people with COVID. I mean, they were like right, right there, you know, and I had some symptoms, but every time I tested, tested negative. And, and uh, my wife went to a conference, you know, in, in, um, in Sandy Cove. I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but it's, it's the fact she came back coughing and I didn't know I was sleeping with the enemy. Don't get upset at me. <laughs> Don't get upset at me, guys. Come on. Ladies, it's just a joke. Man, please. Surely you could laugh in the house of the Lord. <laughs> but next thing I know, uh, I'm feeling the symptoms, feeling the clammy, the smell. My body's out of sync. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what's up? Uh, right away, you know, I have a, uh, a personal friend that, that's prescribed some things to me that have been great. So I big, I'm boosting my immune system. And a uh, few days, I'm, I'm black out. Okay, I'm, I, I beat this. This Chinese thing got nothing on me, you know. But then the next day, I'm down again. And it was that way. And it, it was miserable, miserable. I, you know, and, you know, the, the sinus. And uh, I tested, by the way, I tested negative. Now I'm here. Uh, at, at, the end, <laughs> at the end of the service, if you don't want to come up, it's okay. I could deal with rejection for one Sunday. Don't worry. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but days after, I'm still like, my body's not 100%. And even now, it's still like, but, you know, but it's much better. Um, but what do I say that? Man, Psalm 23, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of COVID, 
I will fear no evil. So one of the things I've seen with this COVID is that people are so afraid. It's like if they had the fear of God that they do for COVID, man, how different our nation would become. I've seen believers. I've seen Christians. What's, what's up with you, man? It's only COVID. 99% survivability rate, yes, if you're within a certain profile, it could be tragic the same way a cold, the same way a fall, the same way uh, the stomach runs. If you're within a certain profile, anything can get you. People are blinded to what's going on. People have no perception. People have no idea what's happened. In such a short span of time they've told you what to do what you could do what you cannot do when you could go when you cannot go cover your nose cover your face cover your eyes put a shield and on top of that you could go to walmart but you can't go to church okay because they're blinded the people of god i'm talking about I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about the people of God, churches, pastors. When do you close? When do you open? Who guides your church? Who guides your life? Is it the government or is it the Lord? Who tells you what to do? God told you to get a vaccine? Get the vaccine. By the time it gets in you, God can neutralize it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's my hope. But if God tells you not to get the vaccine, are you going to listen to God? What's going to guide you in your life? Man, I love going to Israel. I love taking people for it to Israel. But it might be that my day going to Israel is up. Because not, I love Benjamin Netanyahu. But that government is not going to tell me what I do with my body. God is going to tell me what I do with my body. And let the chips fall where they may. Let the sacrifice be what the sacrifice has to be. David, Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, here we see a man that God, through Jesus Christ, takes him by the hand, takes him out of the town, and then he spits in his eye. But I love that. It wasn't the medication alone. He needed the touch of his hand. Did you see that there? Isn't that beautiful? He spit on his eyes, but then he put his hands on him. And then Jesus asked him, hey, do you see? See anything? And he looked up, verse 24, and he said, I see men. That's an accomplishment, family. When you're blind, I was tempted to do this. I was going to make you close your eyes, but I know some of you are not going to close them, you know. You're always alert and vigilant. I was going to close your eyes, you know, and, and keep them closed. And then imagine not seeing anything, but you could do it when you get home. You go into the bathroom and close your eyes, and, and you know, this man has had his eyes closed, and now he sees men. That's an account. It's like, man, I, do I see? I see. I see more than I've ever seen before. They look like trees. Something's off. He's seen He's seen, but he's missing. He's missing on the evaluations. And it's a picture that you get saved, you get born again. You know, Jesus is your Savior, and you're seeing, but it's like trees. You're missing the evaluation. Biblically speaking, you're blind. You're still blind. And probably nobody here, just the 9 o'clock service. Of course, I must confess to you, I told the 9 o'clock service it was the 11 o'clock service. <laughs> but, but maybe nobody, all of you see, you see everything. 
But I got a sense that maybe God is wanting us to look at this portion of Scripture and say, Lord, is there a blindness in me when it has to do with you, when it has to do with your will, when it has to do with your plan? Lord, when I stand before you, am I leaning on this sloppy grace agape, or am I coming to you as God that has a will, that has a purpose, and am I coming to you saying, God, I want to see that will, and I want to see that purpose, because you're God. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. But that means I need to be in sync with you, Lord. I'm going to be accountable to you, Lord. Did I step down too soon? Did I step down too late? The church? Lord, what's going on? And what a wonderful, necessary thing it is in your life and in my life that when you look at this here, verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes again. He needed a second touch. Mr. I don't like flies. He needed a second touch. I know some of you are not coming back. Remember, Zach is not that way. Your pastor is nice. Please come back. This is just grandpa here. Verse 25, but then he put, I love flies. I mean, you're blind. The blindness in people. I see the mercy. I see the kindness. It's just an animal. I know. I know. I know. But do you give that kindness to unborn creatures when they're being aborted? Do we give that kindness to the black, to the Asian? Do we give that kindness? Man, we're so blind and we feel so good about ourselves. But then he put his hands on his eyes again. This man needed another Jesus touch. And if you don't get anything today, please take this home with you. Jesus wants to touch you and me again. Jesus wants you and me to have sight that we don't have right now. Jesus wants his church to open up their eyes. Because maybe you'll make it to heaven, but everybody around you seems like they're going to hell. And all they offer them is church, pastors, music, entertainment. How many people are being offered Jesus Christ? And Jesus touched this man again. I love that. And made him look up. No, no, no. Open your eyes again. And I love this. It says, and he was restored. He saw everyone clearly. Now, to put it into context, you got to backtrack with me there in Mark chapter 8 so that you see I'm not making this up. Some of you are saying, where's he getting this thing from? So Mark chapter 8 is a beautiful chapter that shows you the power of the divine over the power of earth. The power of the kingdom of God where Jesus is ministering to a group of people that have no food. They've been with him several days. And before they go away, Jesus wants to feed them. And he tells his disciples, say, feed these people. And they say, it's a multitude. There's no way we could feed them. And Jesus says, bring me what you have. And they had a few loaves of bread. They had a few fishes. It's the second time. It's the multiplication of fish and bread for the second time. And now Jesus multiplies it again. He feeds this multitude. And now he gets on the ship. They're going to Bethsaida. 
I already told you, the house of the fish. And then on the way there, Jesus begins to converse with them. He talks to them. Listen, are you here this morning? Of course you are. Sometimes Jesus will talk with you. He'll converse with you. He'll engage you because he's trying to get to our heart. He's trying to get us to recognize, man, I need sight in that area. Lord, I need insight in this area. But Jesus is not going to come to you. I'm God. You need sight. It's just a conversation. It's an engagement. So now look with me there at verse 15. Mark chapter 8, verse 15, Jesus gives them a command. He charged them. He says, listen, take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of Herod. What is Jesus saying here? Well, in verse 15, in the original language, when Jesus says he charged them, is a word that means that he made a distinguishing order. It means that he gives them a command for them to, if you have insight, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Look at this. There's the word view. There's the way that God sees things. There's the thought of God. And then there's the world view, the way the world sees things. The Supreme Court may approve it. Your political party may approve it. There's churches that may approve it. But there's only one problem. It's not the word of God's. Approval. Come a little bit closer here. You don't have to agree yet. You don't have to agree yet. Just examine it with me, please. Jesus is on the ship, and he's telling his disciples, hey, guys, there's two ways of looking at things. And be careful with looking at things the way the Pharisees look at things. Be careful with looking at things the way political brokers and political powers look at things. You guys be careful. You're not of that group and bunch. You belong to me. Are you getting this? In other words, keep reading there, and you're going to see it. Verse 16 is very clear. The disciples begin to reason. They reason among themselves, obviously. Leaven, you know, is that putrefying element that when you're making bread, you put a little bit in it because it makes the dough rise. It's good, by the way. Pizza dough, if you don't put some leaven in it, it doesn't taste right. It doesn't taste the same. So leaven, when you're cooking, is good, but as an illustration, listen to this. When you're living life, when you're thinking, when you're making plans, when you're making decisions, the leaven of the world, even if it's a little bit, it's not good. That's one of the things I so appreciate about Pastor Zach. He, he wants to do things the word way, not the world way. It's a privilege. Let's observe. Let's learn. Let's follow. Let's do the same. Let's become a church, a group of people. How beautiful it would be. Man, they're thinking according to the word. They're making decisions according to the word. She's making decisions according to the word. According to the word of God. That's right. What? Why do you? You live 50 miles away, and, and you come in a, you come in a, you come in a Calvary Chapel, Miami, and you come into the youth, to the young adults. Yeah, yeah. Word view, the word view. What, 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 what? You you gonna stay single for now? Yeah, yeah. What you you making choice? Yeah, yeah. What, how, how you doing it? They reasoned among themselves. And every one of you here, I'm not going to look at anybody so nobody thinks I'm paying. Every one of us here, we reason. The only problem is, do we reason with insight, with foresight? Do we reason with God's word or something else? And at first, the results may be good. But sooner or later, 
Listen, only the word of God will stand. Jesus said this, heaven and earth are going to pass away, but my words will never pass away. You want to live life stable? A 67-year-old grandpa can tell you, God has been so faithful to me. God has been so incredibly, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And, and the only thing I did as a young 19-year-old, I said, God, I'm going to give you my life. I give you my car, working with youth, serving the Lord. Lord, I give you everything in the process. He, he brings my wife to my life. And, and then he gives me a son and a daughter and a son. And then he gives me these beautiful, beautiful grandchildren. But then he gives me you. God has been so faithful to me. I met people that I would have never met outside of God. And they've been friends and they care. I'm sick. People want to, our refrigerator was overflowing with soup. I almost filled, <laughs> I almost filled the swimming pool with the soup. Hey, let's swim in this thing, you know. And people that care, people that love. And it's not because I got anything to give them because I don't have anything else to give them. Now, they're just appreciative of the way that God has used this turkey. Have you been faithful to the Lord? Do you make reasonable decisions? I think it was 1988. I love my dad. I love my dad with a passion. He's my hero. But, but, but God was telling me something that was different from my dad. And I said, dad, I, dad, I, I gotta, I gotta resign. Dad, I, that I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to do ministry a different way. Son, you're crazy. Son, you can't do this. And for me to make a decision, for me to make a decision, I could have stayed in the denomination, benefits, insurance, this, everything. No, Lord, we're just going to start this Bible study and see who comes. 17 people, the first service. My wife had to be there. She lived in the house. <laughs> the kids had no choice. I knew they would be there. Somebody else came, and somebody else came, and they wanted the word, and they wanted to know the Lord, and they wanted insight, and they wanted foresight, and they wanted sight, and they wanted the touch of Jesus. That's all we offer here at Calvary Chapel, Miami. No frills. We're not going to entertain you. We're not going to give you a big pizzazz. Boom, ba, 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 boom, boom, bitingo. Oh, man, not, not here. What are you going to get? Jesus wants to touch you. Jesus wants to take you by the hand. Jesus wants to take you out of town. Jesus wants to heal your eyes. Jesus wants to bring you life abundantly. Jesus wants that. And these disciples, they were reasoning. Look at what they come up with. Look at what they came up with. Look, look at this here. Are you, are you with me there? Verse 16. They reason among themselves. And here's what they said. <gasps> I know why he said that to us. We got no bread. <laughs> That's not the best day for them. Be careful with thinking the way the political people think. Be, be careful with thinking. Not that politics is bad. You got people in politics that they love God. They love the country. They want to make a contribution. But even those people that do, they'll have to accept. You got some people in politics that they love themselves. They love their name. They love their power. And they'll do whatever it takes. And Jesus says, be careful with that. You got those people in ministry too, by the way. You got pastors that do that. You got doctors that do that. You got attorneys that do that. But our society just wants to focus on the law enforcement that do that. And it's just a few. 
And these men and these women, they've been running into danger. They've been running into the fire to save people, sometimes to save the criminal. And now we're going to, as a society, say, no, defund the police. And we're, and we're making those choices. How are they making those choices? Blindness. There's a blindness in our society. But you see them here? Look, they reason. That word reason, that's a good word for us to look at. Verse 16, uh, what does reasoning mean? It means to bring together different points of view. It means to reckon. It means to revolve in one's mind, to deliberate. It means to, in your head, you want to come up with the insight to this. Deliberate, reflection, discussion, casting in mind, considering, dispute. Sometimes how you argue with yourself. They did that. Okay, pastor, is that bad? No, that's not bad. So then what are you saying, Pastor? What Jesus said, be careful of doing that the way the Pharisees do it. Be careful with doing that the way Herod did it. Be careful with that. So whether it's religiosity or politics, be careful with making spiritual decisions with that foundation. What Jesus is saying here is you're called to a different standard. Keep reading. You'll see it. It's it's so clear. Even I can understand this. Oh, it's because we have no bread. So now Jesus confronts them. And Jesus being aware of it. Let me stop there a second. Let me look to your eyes. When you're having those conversations in your mind, Jesus is aware of them. When you're going back and forth, Jesus is aware of it. He's looking at it. And he's rooting for you. Hey, you're arguing with yourself this bad. But you're going to make a decision for me, right? You're going to listen to my spirit, right? You're going to look at godly examples, right? You're going to do like Mo. Mo? Who's Mo? Moses. You're going to do like Moses, right? Right. You're going to do like Daniel, right? You're going to be like Ruth, right? Because you're not on an island. You're not alone. There's many people that have been through this before. The Samaritan woman was through this. The woman caught in adultery was through this. And when all push came to shove, they said, Jesus, I stand with Jesus. Has, has nobody condemned you? None, Lord. Implication, but you can't condemn me. And whatever you say, Lord... I'm going to do it. He says, well, I don't condemn you anymore. You're free to go, and you're free to sin no more. You no longer have to be manipulated by your past, by your broken heart. You no longer have to live in the past. You can now live in the fact that Jesus said you can go and sin no more. And I think she said, thank you. I needed that. Amen. Do you do that? Do I do that? Do the people of God do that? Or you want somebody else to breathe on you and you want to fall back? Want another miracle? You want me to get up here and say, hey, God's told me I need another jet, a jet, flight. I can't even pronounce it. (laughs) And you pay for it (laughs) because God's told me you're going to pay for it. Next time somebody tells you that, say, no, you pay for it. If God told you, it's your deal. And yet people go. And they flock to churches. They'll come into a church like this and they'll say, oh, what kind of car the pastor drives? A Toyota? No, I got to go to a church where the pastor drives a Bentley because that means success. And the people of God are blind being led by the blind. But this morning, God's trying to show you that Jesus comes to the disciples, verse 17, and aware of what they said to them, He now says to them, why do you reason because you have no brain? How do you guys come up with this? Don't you perceive yet? 
Don't you understand? And what's the reason that people sometimes don't get it, don't perceive, don't understand, they don't have enough information? No, he tells you here what's the, what's the basis. Is your heart still hardened? Wow. I don't know about you, but that convicts me. Because sometimes I realize that when I don't understand my wife or my kids or you or something, it's not a question of IQ. It's a question of age, P, heart position. <laughs> How's your heart? When your heart is humble, he gives grace to the humble. Your heart is hard, he resists the proud. It's an amazing thing to me how people from different walks, different lives, they get it, they see it. And now Jesus is here saying to his disciples, I hope you're with me, right? The implication is you guys are blinded. Yes, I've touched you. Yes, you're my disciples, but you need another Jesus touch. Can I look at your eyes and tell you what's happening here? Can you see what's happening in the scriptures? It's like Jesus is preparing them so when they see the miracle, they can make the right observation. They can come up with the great interpretation, and then they can follow with the right application. Oh, Jesus, I get it. This guy in Bethsaida, he's just like me. Jesus, I need another touch from you so that I can understand, so that I can perceive, so that my heart can be softened what happens when your heart is hard look at verse 18 please you have eyes but you don't see you have ears but you don't hear God you don't hear the Lord you don't hear your mom when she's being used by God you don't hear your son when God is trying to use your son or your daughter to talk to you you're not listening because your heart is hard and Jesus says, you have eyes and you don't see. You have ears and you don't hear. And then another thing that happens when your heart is hardened, you forget everything you're supposed to remember. I remember everything I'm supposed to forget. So Lester's here. I'll use him as an example. He looked at me funny. Oh, man, I don't know what's up with Lester, man. You know, ever since Zach started teaching, he just doesn't treat me the same. And I'm forgetting all the times that he's come up and he's praying with me. And it happens to you and it happens to me. The wife that's forgotten everything that her husband has done for her. And now she shows up. I asked him, how do I look in this thing? And he doesn't respond. Why doesn't he tell me? Because he knows it's the kind of questions he can get out of a life. <laughs> Honey, what do you think? Because if he answers, you look good. You're being sarcastic. <laughs> Baby, I don't care how you look. I love you. What are you trying to do? Be that romantic? Blah, 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 blah. Can't, win. Can't win. Tough to navigate those waters. <laughs> Give me a lion. Give me a bear. Give me the giant. My wife? Yes, honey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the only reason he's going through that wife is because he loves you. He's trying, he's trying, he, he's trying to gain your, your respect. Every man just wants to be respected. And the people in the street respect him, and what do you do? Knock him down. Having eyes, you don't see. Having ears, you don't hear. 
And then you don't remember. Jesus is saying, you don't remember. We fed 5,000. We fed 4,000. I'm just trying to get you to see that don't do things the way the world does because the world would say we can't feed them. Or the world would say, let's do a capital funding campaign to make enough money. The world will try to do it the way the world does it. And what I'm trying to teach you is we're going to do it different. To God be the glory. Thank you. Thank you. To God be the glory. Calvary Chapel, Miami, this building's paid off. The Lord paid it off. The five acres a few weeks ago paid off. We didn't do a big to-do. Hey, here's a thermometer. Hey, this is time. Dig deep. Dig deep. This is for the Lord. Dig deep. (laughs) We could do that. I'm not saying the people that do that. That's between them and the Lord. But God has called us to do something different. That's why God is saying here to his disciples, don't you see with your eyes? Don't you hear with your ears? Don't you remember? Look at verse 21. I got to close. Then he said to them, how is it that you don't understand Family, this morning, I want you to see what blindness is, what spiritual blindness is. You don't understand. I don't understand what God is trying to do. I speak about my marriage, and man, Isel and I were so different. It's been so difficult. But what's God trying to do? He's trying to break me, and I'm stubborn. You don't understand. You don't understand what Jesus is saying. How is it that you've been following me all this? I've done all these miracles. You've seen me, and you still don't don't get it. You don't get that God is trying to do a work in you so that you could see, so that your eyes could be open. Why? Because your heart is open. And so this morning, I wanted to go to... Luke chapter 18. I wanted to go to Luke chapter 19, but worship team, please come forward. Tell Pastor Zach that I almost finished on time. (laughs) But I want to look to your eyes as the pastors, please come forward also. I'm wondering, is there anybody else here this morning beside me that would say, you know what, Jesus, I want to see, I want to hear, I want to understand. Lord, I need another touch from you, Lord. That's the bottom line. I don't need to feel emotions, goosebumps, Lord. Bottom line is, I just need for you to touch me again, Lord. Touch my eyes, touch my heart, touch my life, Lord. And yes, Lord, ask me, what do you see? So that I can answer you, Jesus, what I see. And in answering you what I see, I would be open to hear from you if I'm seeing correctly or if I'm seeing incorrectly. That is what is so needed in churches today. You're going to ask your pastor. You're going to ask your friend. You're going to ask anybody and everybody except Jesus in his word. Lord, here's what I see. Am I seeing right, Lord? And then having him say to you, would you pray some more? Would you seek me some more? Because what you see right now, if you make a decision to live this way, you're going to crash. You're going to fail. And it's almost like Jesus would say, I'm not sure your heart can stand another failure. So I'm trying to give you sight. I'm trying to give you insight. I wonder how many people here this morning, you remember when the Lord first touched you. 
One of the beautiful things about being a pastor is you could see God work in people's lives. And sometimes you see people's life, people in the front. Don't take this personally. Next Sunday, please sit in the front again. But, but sometimes you see someone get saved and they come to the front and they buy a Bible. They go buy the bookstore. They buy a brand new Bible. They got markers. And you're seeing them there and you say, ah, yes. But then all of a sudden, they move from the first row to like the middle. Those of you that are sitting in the middle, this, this is not for you, okay? This is just an illustration, okay? And they don't have their highlighters anymore. They just got their Bible. Something's happening. They're not seeing anymore. The next thing you know, they're sitting in the back. Those of you that are sitting in the back, you know, you can sit there next Sunday again. But but you know what I'm talking about. These people, you saw the progression, and now you're seeing the regression. And it happened because of things like when they first came to the Lord, they were 19, and they said, Lord, before I'm 20, I'm going to be married, (laughs) and she's going to be a godly lady. I'm going to marry a missionary. And so now you're 20, and she hasn't shown up yet, so now you're in the middle. You're thinking, okay, Lord. Um, I'm going to change it to 24. And now you're 26, and so now you're sitting in the back, and you're, you're doing the moonwalk. The Lord didn't work in your time. The Lord didn't work in your way. The Lord didn't answer the way you wanted answered, and you missed the point. You're blinded. You're not seeing that he's trying to do a deeper work in your heart because he wants to use you. He wants to use you mightily. And sometimes for God to use you mightily, he has to break you deeply. And so I look at the people that have been through trauma in my life, and I look at the people that have been through trials, and sometimes they're the most pure soul because they see. They see that this life is but a vapor. <gasps> it's gone. And so they focus on that which is eternal. They want spiritual vision. They want a biblical foundation. They want a foundation that will stand the trials of time. And so my question to you this morning is, where are you? Where are you? Are you blinded? Are you drifting away and you don't even know it? Where are you this morning? Is your reasoning, they reason among themselves, your reasoning over spiritual material in a worldly foundation and way. What are you going to come up with? We got no bread. And today I believe that God is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And if you, if I, if we will humble ourselves and say, you know what, Lord? If there's one thing I want to go down as, I may not go down as, as a mayor or president or attorney. I may not even go down as the best pastor or pastor of a mega church. Lord, I may not go. But, Lord, one thing I want to go down as. I, I pray that my grandkid could say, you know what, my grandpa, man, he had vision. He saw. He saw things. Lord, I want to see. I want to see, Lord, what you want me to see so I can make the right decisions, Lord. I could please you. And I could have that type of life that demonstrates you take me by the hand. And I put my hand in your hand, Lord. And when you need to take me out of town, I follow you. And when you need to send me home and you tell me, don't stop by Walmart. Don't go by Dollar Store. You go straight home. Lord, I will obey you. Yes, sir. You're my God, and I don't have to test it. I don't have to tempt you, Lord. If you say it, that's good enough for me. Is that you here this morning? I wonder how many people here would say, you know what? I want Jesus. I want Jesus Christ as my Savior. He hung on Calvary's cross. He took my sins. The crown of thorns was placed upon his brow. He was sweating blood, and he 
did that suffering for me so I could have a relationship with God and I could see, I could make decisions. I could make the right decisions. Just one last illustration. My, my little princess, you know, the daughter, uh, well, I got two daughters now, but, the, but one of my daughters working in public school system, she, she's qualified and classified throughout the whole nation, and she resigns her position to come work at, at a school here, LHM, and the students graduate. And I see her picture yesterday, I see the joy. She's got no retirement here. Even though our retirement is out of this world, it's heavenly, you know, it's, it's amazing. And, but then I spoke about one daughter. I speak about the other daughter. My, my other daughter could be working. She could be working anywhere. And yet she's coming here and she's putting the, the, the sound musical group together. And they're doing it for Jesus. They're doing it for the Lord. We're so blessed here. We're so blessed in this place, and that's why you are in this place this morning. You could be anywhere else, but God has brought you to a place that he wants you to see spiritually and to make the right spiritual decisions. Your heart needs to be softened. My heart needs to be softened. Will we allow this morning for God to do a supernatural work and soften, soften my heart, Lord. It's not my way. I'm not always in control. Lord, Lord, right now I'm not in control. But that's okay, Lord. You know why? Because you're in control. And that's good for me. Father, our prayer this morning is that if there's anybody here today that this is their day, this is the day that they go from blindness to sight. This is the day, Lord, that they go from being in authority to now being in surrender to you. This is the day, Lord, God, move in their heart. As we worship you now, as we sing to you, move in the hearts of people that maybe they will stand up and come to the front and pray with the pastors that are here. And, Lord, you would do such a work that when they leave this property, their life will never be the same. They got vision. They got insight. They got foresight. They can see now things that they couldn't see before. Let's be in prayer. Let's stand up. Let's close in song. If you have children, this is a good time to get up and please go get your kids in the children's ministry. If you have a little bit of time, we're going to stay here. We're going to worship the Lord and expect the Lord to move. If you need a touch of the Lord, right there, wherever you're seated, come forward. Pray with the pastors. They're here to pray with you.